0: Hey church family, so glad that you are tuning in with us today, wherever, maybe you're out of state today, maybe you're on spring break, maybe you've been sick, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I'm just so glad that you're tuning in with us. Have a little fun church family news I just want to get started with is, uh, if you didn't know, we love to help start new churches, uh, planting churches uh, for everyone, for all different types of people. And so we've been praying for the last year of what it would look like for us to help plant a Spanish-speaking church. And uh, through, I'll tell you more down the road, but uh, through God's sovereignty and his networking power, uh, collided us with uh, Oscar and Ruby Luna, and they have decided, Lord willing, to move to Detroit from Houston, Texas uh, to come on our team to help start a new Hispanic church. And so, can't wait for you to meet them. But just wanted to celebrate with you uh, that um, it's working, church planting's working, and we're going to continue to be a church that strives to be a share, shape, send church. And so, thank you for being a part of Miles City, of expanding the kingdom uh, to all. Uh, nationalities and all generations, and so we're so excited to welcome them to our family. So uh, I was about, I don't know, a couple months ago, Uh, Jen and I were down in Orlando, Florida. We took the kids to Disney, to the most expensive, I mean, most magical place on earth, and uh, spent there a couple days before we went and saw her parents. And while we were there at Disney, we had a chance to go to the Coca-Cola store, which I love Coca-Cola, and uh, we went on the third floor, and on the third floor in Disney Springs, this Coke place... Um, has this Coke bar where you can get all different types of drinks from all around the world. It's really, really cool. And one of the things uh, that you can do is sample all of those different Cokes. And so here's a little picture uh, of us sampling. It's like a 16 different like double tray flight. And it gives you the card of where these drinks are from. And then you kind of can guess. And it's like crazy flavors that just make your taste buds go crazy. Like, for example, uh, the uh, Stony... Tangoizi from Tanzania. I mean, I don't even know how to say that. That was pretty weird. Or the Sprite Cucumber from South Africa. That was pretty an interesting flavor. Okay, Sprite Cucumber. How about this one? The Sour Plum Coca Cola Classic. That was probably the grossest from China. Okay, so just some really, really crazy flavors. And I gotta be honest, as we were drinking all these different flavors and went through the 15 to 16 different flavors, what did it leave me wanting? A flat-out, good old Coca-Cola Classic from the US of A. After I had all that like thirst and I was trying all these different flavors, all I wanted was just the real thing. I just wanted a Coca-Cola Classic. Now, you know what they say? They say that psychologically, that when you just talk about being thirsty or when you visualize, can you just when you just kind of visualize thirst or someone's talking about it or someone just drinks in front of you, it just, they say psychologically in the brain it just makes you thirsty. And I know maybe some of you right now, wherever you're watching, you just are heading to the fridge right now going to get yourself something to drink, maybe a Coke Zero, I don't know what you're into. But they say that it just makes you thirsty, so I hope you just have a drink wherever you're watching. I'm going to get another sip of this. But the reason why I bring all this up is the fact is is that all of us, no matter what, we're all thirsty. We all are constantly dealing with trying to quench a thirst. But we're not just talking about something liquid here. We're talking about life in general. Not just liquid, but we're talking about life. I mean, we have this thirst that we're always constantly trying to satisfy, whether it's emotionally or spiritually or physically or sexually or financially or relationally, all the lees that are out there, there's there's this always ongoing thirst of wanting more. And we're always, we were created to have this thirst and we're always trying to figure out ways to satisfy that and to quench that thirst until we say our very last words here on earth. And so, as we know, last words have impact, last words have meaning, and so we've been on this journey of going through the last few utterances, the last statements of Jesus. We know that if you live a certain way, you're going to die a certain way. If you, if you have hope on the tip of your tongue, you're going to die with hope. If you have despair on the tip of your tongue, you're going to die with despair on the tip of your tongue. And so what we've been looking at is that these seven impactful words of Jesus are so powerful and we're hoping that they will have a lasting impact on our lives as we're trying to quench specific thirsts in our own lives. There is so much... Meaning that the, these seven last words are just pregnant with so much meaning. I, I love how Warren Wearsby, uh, author and uh, pastor, who said it like this that these seven last words were like a window into the heart of Jesus. I love that, it's like a window, like a picture of the heart of Jesus. And so, we're looking at these seven last words. Let's just go to them. Uh, we've looked at Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so today, you guessed it, we're gonna be honing in on this one today when it comes to the idea of I thirst. And as we dive into this, I thirst, this is again to prepare us for Easter and just a couple weeks that we would celebrate, because you, know, you gotta talk about, you, can't, you gotta talk about death, you gotta talk about these moments before we can truly celebrate the life and the resurrection. Of Jesus, And so our goal is that as we investigate this utterance of when Jesus said, I thirst, it would make us pause and ask ourselves the question of what are we thirsting? And what are we quenching our thirst with? But before we dive in, before we drink it in, in a sense, I want to pray for you and pray for me. Father, thank you for gathering us here online. As we're watching or as we're listening, help us to not miss it. I pray this and the power of your son's name, Jesus, control my mind and my speech. We love you in your son's name. Amen. Open up to the copy of the scriptures, the Bible there in the book of John. Uh, The book of John, chapter 19, is where we're going to be. This was written by John, the beloved John, Jesus' closest friend. Uh, We must remember that when we investigate this portion of Scripture, what's happening, Jesus has been on the cross for now six hours. Uh, He has been going through the most brutal uh, death that you could go through. Um, Remember, crucifixion was done to create uh, a prolonging of pain as long as possible possible was how crucifixion was designed. And this is the scene that we're peering into. This is a scene of so much humility. And I'm not talking like humility that Chris Rock got this week from Will Smith. I mean, Jesus had a smackdown like no other on a whole other level. Uh, Even though we saw the smackdown of Will Smith and, and Chris Rock echo all across the globe from the Oscars, this smackdown of Jesus, the Son of God, has echoed on forever and ever and ever and will never fizzle out and will continually just spread and spread and spread until Jesus comes back. And so, This is the the most agonizing moment that we're seeing. If we were there at the foot of the cross, it would be hard for us to stomach. And so I just want us to remember the humility that Jesus went through for us as we dive into this text. And so here's how it kicks off. John 19, verse 28 says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures. Now we got to stop here. And I want us to be reminded of this truth that Jesus is omniscient. Jesus knows all things. And can you just imagine having a friend in Jesus who knew everything? Can you imagine having a friend that just knew everything? Some of you are like, yeah, I have that friend or I have that spouse or I have that parent or kid that thinks that they know everything. But seriously, like imagine, like um, imagine going up to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, I just, we, can we talk about something? And he already knew what you were going to say before you said it. Imagine having a negative thought going on in your mind and Jesus leans over and says, Hey, Peter, get that negative thought, get your mind out of the gutter. And you're like, Whoa, okay, sorry, Jesus. And this is, Jesus knows. All, and that still hasn't changed. He still knows all things. And so you can't hide from it. You can't pretend with God. And so if you are, I just want to encourage you, if you are, stop. Because it's like a waste of your time. He knows all things. He knows what's going on in your mind. You can't fool him and God will not be mocked. But then he says there, right, fulfill. He says, fulfill the scriptures. And we just have to stop here too for a moment to just know how incredible, again, that this truly is. Showing us the sovereignty of of the control of god this is magnifying the divinity of jesus uh the 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 godness of jesus even in the midst of his suffering i mean come on check this out in the midst of his suffering he was still mindful of fulfilling prophecies and he knew in this moment that there was just one more that needed to take place in his greatest agony he knew that there was one more that needed to take place and that's him saying i thirst Remember, Jesus fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies and 29 of them were literally fulfilled right there on the cross. It's unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. And if you ever question or doubt if Jesus really is God, I encourage you to dig into the prophecies that he fulfilled. And you will get answer after answer of how there is no way that one person could mathematically pull this off. And Jesus did. Jesus did. Our divine God left his throne for us to pay the penalty of our sin for us. What a gift. What a friend that we have in Jesus that he suffered the penalty of our sin for us so that we wouldn't have to do it. Reminding us, he's got this whole thing rigged and he still willingly did it, reminding us of the importance and the freedom we find when we thirst for the knowledge of Jesus. Do you thirst for the knowledge of Jesus? Like, like seriously, ask yourself that, que- that, that question. Or another way, when it comes to the well, the bucket of your life what which well are you dipping into for your source of knowledge what is your source of truth is it from people who don't follow jesus is it from social media is it from celebrities is it all just from news outlets those wills wells those sources will constantly leave you spinning out of control those sources of knowledge will leave you spinning with anxiety with fear and they will always leave you high and dry But it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. What a reminder as Jesus followers that we can literally drop our buckets into the well of Jesus who knows all things. That we have access to tap into the knowledge of Jesus who knows all things. May we be people that run to the well of Jesus. May we be people that thirst for his knowledge instead of the world's knowledge. Why wouldn't we want to tap into that knowledge? Are you thirsting for the knowledge of Jesus? So then, Jesus, he's there on the cross. And here next, we see that he drops his last, okay? His last verbal word to fulfill prophecy. And here's what it says. I thirst. Say that with me wherever you're at. I thirst. Say it again. I thirst. And oh, the paradox. Oh, the irony of this. That here we have the one who quenches all thirst on a cross saying that I thirst. I mean, we see the scriptures just immersed, like drenched, soaked with images of God being like water. That he is the source of the living water. And yet he says, I thirst. This was, and many scholars would agree that this is the most human of all the seven statements. When Jesus said that I thirst. Declaring not only his divinity, but showing us the humanity, the Son of Man, the humanity of Jesus. As Jesus followers, we, we like to show off all the time that Jesus is God. We like to talk about Jesus as God all the time. But sometimes we don't really like to talk about Jesus being a man because sometimes it brings up a little bit of a questioning or a doubting. Oh, If he is man, then wait a second, and it can cause some some, some doubt. But if you have any doubt there, please just be reminded, please be clear, please have confidence that Jesus Christ was both 100% God and both 100% man. That is what makes the sacrifice so real. Jesus hungered like you hunger Jesus thirst like you thirst Jesus felt pain like you are feeling pain or have felt pain and so here we have Jesus he was so dehydrated he was like burning it was just like this raging thirst he was fatigued and now we're not certain of this but some have wondered that the last time that Jesus took a sip of anything was at the last supper with his friends when he broke the bread and shared the cup We're not for sure of that, but Jesus was literally hadn't had a drink. We don't know for how long. And then here we have in this moment, these executioners offering Jesus a drink. And here's what it says. It says a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Now a little side note, hyssop branch, what in the world is that all about? The Hyssa branch was like a long weed, uh, just like a, like a reed, like a long weed. That And what's really interesting is that while Jesus was being sacrificed on the cross, not far from where he was at, there's the temple, and during this time it was the season of Passover. And animal sacrifices were being done to appease the sins of people. And what's interesting is that during those sacrifices... Uh, historically, hyssop branches were always used to, to soak up, to sop up, to soak up the blood of the animals that were being sacrificed. It's just a pause moment here to just kind of go there with the symbolism of, isn't it interesting how at the same time, hyssop branches were being used for a sacrificial system in the temple is now being used at the same time for a sacrificial savior on a tree. Say that again. Hyssa branches are literally being used at the same time in a sacrificial system in a temple, but at the same time, a sacrificial savior on a tree. Another reminder when we think of this phrase, I thirst, in English, it's two words. But in the original Greek language, it's just this one word called dipso. And when Jesus said dipso, when Jesus said, I thirst... It's so amazing that in the moment that he said just that one Greek word, he was fulfilling two prophecies at the same time. Here's what he was fulfilling right at the same time. Psalms 22:15. We talked about this last week. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Or Psalm 69, 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. And just so you know, this wasn't the good stuff. This was the low-grade wine, and he received it. But one little note we can get confused of if we just kind of brush through and read the gospel sometimes is that we have to remind ourselves that this was not the first time that Jesus drank or was offered a drink on the cross. This is the first time that he drank something on the cross, but he was offered two different times a drink from the cross. We see this in Matthew's account, that he was offered wine that was mixed with gall. And that drink, mixed with gall in that culture back then, would have been like, a would be almost like doping him in a sense. It was used as like an anesthesia to, in a sense, to numb the pain. And when the criminals, and um, the executioners, offered Jesus it, he didn't take it, he spit it out. He rejected it. And what's so interesting is that it reminds us that Jesus wasn't going to take any shortcuts on the cross. Jesus doesn't take any shortcuts on the cross. He literally drank in the full, overwhelming, every piece of suffering. He drank in the wrath of God. And what's so amazing is that while he was suffering physically, Jesus was still controlled spiritually. While Jesus suffered Ultimately, just this most excruciating, agonizing pain, not taking any shortcuts. He suffered physically, but yet was controlled spiritually. Reminding us that when we suffer, that when we go through suffering, that we need to be controlled spiritually. Reminding us that we need to have the same courage as our Jesus did on the cross. Which asks us the question... When it comes to thirst, we need to thirst for the courage of Jesus. Are you thirsting for the courage of Jesus to be controlled spiritually instead of by just things physically? When we suffer persecution, when we suffer physical pain, when we go through relational heartache, when we're ridiculed for our beliefs, when we're just flat out suffering and we've just had enough, what well are we running to to heal the pain? What well are you running to right now in the pain that you're going through? Are you being controlled spiritually while you're going through this physical suffering? Or are you running to alcohol to numb the pain? Are you running to painkillers to numb the pain? Are you running to food to numb the pain? Are you going to porn? Are you going to binging on Netflix? What are you doing when it comes to your pain? When we are suffering, when we're ready to give up, when we're feeling weak, when we feel the doubt, when we feel the fear, when we get to the point where we're just like ready to throw in the towel, we must step back and have a thirst for the courage of Jesus. He is our model, thirsting for that type of courage while he suffered on the cross. Allowing ourselves to be willingly controlled by the Spirit and not of the things of the world is so critical and crucial when it comes to thirsting for the courage of Jesus. May we be people that find that freedom, that find that healing, because the courage that comes from Jesus, the confidence that comes through the thirsting of Jesus is just unbelievable. It's unmatched. So then it says that Jesus took the sour wine, and here's what it said. When Jesus has received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And we'll talk more about that next week. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This gives us this reminder that he endured thirst so that we would never have to endure thirst. Or maybe another way to say it is, Jesus said, I thirst. He said that. Jesus said, I thirst, when he said that was for your thirst. When Jesus says, I thirst, it was said for my thirst. It was said for your thirst. He literally endured thirst so that we would never have to thirst again. I thirst was said for your thirst, was said for my thirst. Jesus said to the woman at the well, those who drink of my water will never thirst again. This is interesting just a few months before this event on the cross, Jesus stood in the same city. And it was during the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. What do you need to know about the Feast of the Tabernacles? Here's how to pull this in. This, there was an Israelite tradition that during the Feast of Tabernacles, on the last day, the priest would grab a pitcher of water from the Pool of Siloam And then they would pour it on the rocks right beside the altar. And they would do this to remind them of God's provision. In the 40 years within the desert, when when God gave them water out of the rocks, and while the water was being poured out right there in the feast of the tabernacle, it would remind the people of how the Father quenched their thirst. And how amazing is that, is while that demonstration was being taken place, we're told in John 7 that Jesus stood there in that moment, and here's what he shouted out to the crowd. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me while this tradition is being poured out over the altar. And anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. Me. Oh, the gift, oh, the privilege to know and trust in Jesus, to be the one to satisfy our thirst, reminding us of the importance that he literally will quench our eternal thirst, reminding us the importance of how we must thirst for the privilege of knowing Jesus. The importance of reminding ourselves when it comes to being satisfied with with certain areas of our lives that we need to thirst for the privilege of knowing Jesus. What a privilege, an advantage it is for us to know Jesus. Paul reminds us of this. I love when Paul says this. He says, but more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. It's a true joy. Like he said, a quenching that is unequaled. But, come on, as followers of Jesus, we know this. We can become numb to the advantage and the privilege it is of following Jesus. And the thirst of wanting more of Jesus just can become stagnant and then we literally start to dehydrate our souls and we go through seasons of drought. And maybe that's you. Could you be in a season of drought as you're listening? Have you potentially lost your thirst? Do you feel like you're in a season of drought where you've stopped drinking from the well of Jesus, your Savior? You've, you've, you have this privilege, you have this access, but maybe there's this area that you've been just taking advantage of. What's keeping you from it? What is keeping you from just dropping your bucket into the well of the living water of Jesus? Is it your routine? Is it your busyness? Is it some sin? Is it some shame? Is it just flat out laziness? Is it church hurt? Is it unwise influence, influencers in your life? Is it just lack of discipline, no zeal? What is it? When I think of this phrase, thirst for the privilege of knowing Jesus and not taking it for granted and truly thirsting for it, I'm reminded of a man named Joe Stan, a man in our church who just left this earth to be with Jesus. He recently passed away and was diagnosed with ALS and it just uh, hit him fast. But this past year, even in the midst of his physical suffering, in the midst of his pain, he'd ask his wife, Deb, are we going to church? Are we going? He'd grab his Bible every day and then he would, Always wanted just like literally they they brought a chair into our church a more comfortable chair just for him to sit in so that he could get through his service so he could not ha- feel the pain. But he just wanted to show up. He thirsted. He knew the privilege of knowing Jesus. He wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. He thirsted for the presence of God. He knew that God was the one who would satisfy all his earthly thirsts. Now, speaking of last words, when it comes to Joe, he got to the point where he couldn't speak anymore, but he could write. And Deb gave me permission to show their whiteboard here. Let me show you this. She asked him, Joe, when you think about dying, does it scare you? And here's what he wrote. No. A new adventure. And that was the last phrase that he penned. His last utterance, his last statement was, are you scared to leave this earth? And he said, no, a new adventure awaits. And that's because Jesus had quenched his longing, dehydrated thirst. some of you, if I were to ask you, are you scared of dying? Are you scared of leaving this earth? Some of you would literally say right back to me with confidence, no, I'm not. But I know that some of you that would say, no, you're not. Some of you are. But some of you that would say, no. If you're honest, you've never allow Jesus to satisfy your thirst. You've never taken your life and dropped your life and immersed it into the well of Jesus for your life to satisfy your soul. And so the question when I asked, are you scared to leave this earth? It shouldn't be no. It should be yes. If you haven't allowed Jesus to quench your eternal thirst, it should scare you because one day this world's coming to an end. One day your world is coming to an end. And Jesus made it very clear that those who do not drink from me, that don't allow me to satisfy them, to satisfy their thirst with me, he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And you will be eternally separated from the God who loved you and created you. And so if you haven't drank from the well of Jesus. You can do that today. What does that mean, okay? God loves you so much that he gave us Jesus, who we've been talking about. Why? To pay the penalty for our sin, because you can't solve it and I can't solve it. Only Jesus can solve it. That's why he died, but didn't just die, rose again to change everything, to cancel out our sin. And all who call upon the name of Jesus and believe that he is Lord, will be saved. All who drink of Jesus, all who allow him to satisfy and quench your eternal thirst will be saved. Simple as that. Call upon the name with faith and you will be saved. And so if you haven't done that, then I want to give you that opportunity. Right now, wherever you're listening, just say to him, Father, I want to drink of your well. I am done drinking of the world's well. It's just leaving me dry. I wanna be filled up with you. I wanna be filled up with you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus, are God, tell them that. I believe it. I don't understand it all, but I believe that. I believe you died for me to cancel out my sin, to pay the penalty for it. And I believe you rose from the dead. And so right now I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I immerse myself into your springs of life right now. As we continue to pray, my friend, if you truly meant that, if you're really taking that in for your life to satisfy your soul, then Jesus is so secure and certain that your soul has been satisfied forever. Nothing can take that away from you. You will no longer perish, but you will have everlasting life. Father, thank you for the gift of being satisfied by you. Forgive us when we go off the beaten path and try to drink other stuff to satisfy our lives. Oh God, how we need you. We love you. And we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you made a decision to drink from the well of Jesus today for the first time, to allow him to satisfy your soul, your eternal thirst, then man, I I just, we want to celebrate with you. And we don't want you to walk alone. We know you have questions that need to be answered. And so we want to just encourage you to get those questions answered. So seriously, please, just text the number on the screen and we want to help answer those questions and celebrate with you. And then if you're not in the area, if you're not around Detroit, then man, we want to help get you connected. We're part of a larger network that we can maybe help get you connected to a local church wherever you're watching because it's so important to be a part of the local church.